All right. So uh, I don't think my microphone's working, so I'm going to have to use this one. So the guys wave back there, then I'll switch over. But uh, until then, I'll just have to use this one. So I was sitting in my third floor cubicle of my office Tuesday, September the 24th, when I got a text from Brother Jeff. He wanted me to call him sometime during the evening, so after work, I, I, I did. And in that phone call, he, he told me that the Lord had impressed both on him and his wife that it was time to retire from full-time ministry. Now, I want you to know that I dealt with the same emotions that you did when he stood before you um, and announced the very same thing. Uh, Brother Jeff has been my pastor since birth, um, and I care for Brother Jeff deeply. So in that conversation, uh, Brother Jeff asked me, we go. Brother Jeff asked me um, if I would preach from God's Word this morning. Now, knowing that this would be the week before his last, and next week will be his last week, I knew that this was no easy task, but I told him that I would. So today, I find myself in front of a congregation that is anticipating a time of transition. Um, and upon being here this morning, I can also say that I stand before a congregation that I would quantify as hurting. I, I can see it written all over your faces. Uh, I see discouragement. Um, I, I see uh, just kind of wondering what to do. It just gives me greater confidence that what the Lord has for you uh, th this morning uh, is exactly what this body of Crossroads needs. The founding pastor of this church is stepping back from, her, from his current role in this body, and for some of us, he has been the pastor for 17 years. This is not just a change of leadership, as some other churches frequently have. They, they experience turnover much more than Crossroads has experienced in its history. But rather, this one stings a little bit because of the longevity of Brother Jeff's ministry with us. Now, of course, I've not been along with you to take the temperature of this local body uh, and the reaction of this recent news. But in all indications by Brother Jeff, he seems to su suggest that uh, you all are taking it with a great heart, with a great mind, and a great attitude. So I commend you for that. So let me also be clear, today's address does not come to anyone specifically or to any particular group of people. And actually, let me... Tell you a little bit about how that this message came up. Uh, knowing that this, this message would require a little bit of precision, I turned to my pastor in, in Louisville uh, at Hurstbourne Baptist Church who recently dealt with a beloved music minister who had left this past summer. Over breakfast one morning, he told me, Mason, in this time, your congregation needs to hear two things. And he'd be reminded of two things. First, love God. And second, love your fellow man. Two things. Love your God and love your fellow man. Now, as soon as I heard these words, I knew that this was the message that God wanted me to remind you of today. They're not new words. They are simply just reminders. And my prayer has been that you will take God's word 
to heart. So if you have your, your Bibles, please open up to Matthew twenty two thirty four. Now as just a just a disclaimer, we're gonna be turning back and forth in your Bible, so you know you're just gonna get your Bible reading in, you're gonna flip from the old testament to the New Testament. We're gonna look at several different passages as it speaks to us. But the first one that we're gonna come into contact with is Matthew twenty two verse thirty four. And let this set the foundation for everything else that we see today. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew recounts this in his gospel. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, this is Jesus, when Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He, Jesus, said to him, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Jesus says this very thing. Two things. Love your God and love your fellow man. So the law that Jesus referred to in Matthew uh, 22, was the law of Moses. And actually, we have a copy of this very law. You can look it up. In Exodus, we, we see where the law is given. That's where the, 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 the meat of this law is given in Exodus. Le- Leviticus then explains what happens when the law is broken. And then Deuteronomy it gives a detailed explanation of the, the law. And when you read these in the Old Testament, you, you see that it points to Jesus. And you see that these are the commands that have been given to God's people. The, the Ten Commandments, which can be found in Exodus, are a top ten list of how he wanted, how God wanted the Israelites to live with the purpose of being different than the world in order to be attractive to it. We are held to that same standard. So, yeah, so Jesus says, hey, love your God, love your fellow man. The law and the prophets depend on these two things. Well, let's look at the Ten Commandments. When you break them down, you have ten. The first four deal with loving the Lord. You have, number one, do not have any other gods before me. Number two, do not make any idols for yourself. Number three, do not use the Lord's name in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy. The first four deal with loving God. Now the next, the next six deal with loving fellow man. Obey your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. And do not covet. So Jesus says, and I tend to agree with him, that these commands, these expectations of the law can be summed up by two things, love your God and love your fellow man. Now Jesus also says in Matthew 22 that these two things can be summed up by the law and the prophets. So this was too cool not to to share, but my professor in Old Testament chased a rabbit and he said, you know what, The, the book of Amos talks about how that the, the Israelites at that time were not loving their brother. And God called them out in Amos for not loving their brother. The book of Hosea is focused on calling out the Israelites because they did not faithfully love their God. Pretty cool. Just said that and that's exactly uh, what I needed to, to hear. Both the law and the prophets, the things that make up the Old Testament, speak to these very two Things. So Jesus, I would say, nailed in his every detail his response to the Pharisees' question. 
So we're going to look at both of these elements, but we're going to start um, with, in the order that, that Jesus addressed them, with loving God. So as you can see, you have blanks on the back of your worship guide. We're going to go with number one here first. We're going to look at three ways that we can love God. And the first one is by surrendering decisions to Him. Surrendering decisions to Him. Now, when you look for an example of the church doing this very thing, we go back to the inception, the very creation, the first establishment of the church found in Acts 1. So, if you will, turn to Acts 1. We'll read that in just one second. But as you turn to Acts chapter 1, we're, let me catch you up to speed just a little bit. So Jesus, he had ascended into heaven. Everyone's looking up as he's going, and then the angel appears and is like, why are you looking up into heaven? He's coming down the same way that he went up. So then they left, they went, uh, they all gathered in a room. Now you also have, remember that Judas betrayed Jesus, and under the immense guilt and just the shame, he hung he committed suicide. He hung him, himself. Um, so their group of 12, Jesus had established a group of 12 throughout his three-year ministry, but now it was down to 11. So now you fast forward, Jesus is gone, they are in the upper room, and they think, well, look, we only have 11 here. And they read Psalm 109 and concluded that they needed to replace the missing piece. They had to be restored back to their twelve. So what they did, and in fact, this is the last time we see this in Scripture. They narrowed their candidates down to two, and then they cast lots. Now, for us, casting lots would be like taking a, a coin and being heads or tails. This guy is heads, this guy is tails. Let's just flip it up. But their expectation was is that God would dictate which side of the, the coin that it flipped on. And in doing that, God would choose who would, who would take over. Now, as a side note, I would uh, recommend that the search team not uh, pick a candidate for Crossroads Fellowship in this very way uh, by, by flipping a random coin. But let's, let's read this back in Acts chapter 1, verse 23. It says, So they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who is known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. There's another shot at Judas. They always try to get one of those in. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven. They honored God here by seeking God's will for their next steps. And in those days, casting lots was the ultimate way to discern God's will. They trusted that God would cause the lots to fall on the man that they believed that God wanted to fulfill that position. Now, I know I, jerked er I joked earlier about casting lots. But when you consider it, it really raises an important point here. While we would think that's crazy today, I would argue that the most God-honoring thing that they could do at that time was to cast lots. First of all, up until then, that was patterned in the Old Testament. They went to Scripture, they were guided by Scripture, and came to this conclusion that that's how they were supposed to choose who their other brother in that group of 12 would, would be. But second, and the most important thing, is that you don't see this after this point. 
What was going to happen a few days later after, the, after they chose him to fill the, 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 the vacant spot? The Holy Spirit. So after the Holy Spirit, they didn't, have, they didn't need to cast lots. Okay? So, 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 so follow me here. This tells us something about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's job is to guide believers into all truth. That's in John 16, 13. And in the same passage, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will speak, will speak what he hears from Jesus. That means we don't need to cast lots because we have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God directs us as he is directed by Jesus, who is the head of the church. To put it another way, Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit speaks to us. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and act in, uh, uh, accordingly. Jesus' will gets done. Jesus is the head of the, the church. And the church does exactly what Jesus wants. That's the process by which this happens. We don't need to cast lots because we have something greater. That's the Holy Spirit in us who guides us and guides our decisions as we discern His will for our church. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. That Jesus Christ himself is so intimate with his churches that he speaks to the Holy Spirit in order to guide Crossroads Fellowship. This is not just a theological point, rather this is reality. That Jesus cares about Crossroads Fellowship and he's going to speak to the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak and the Holy Spirit's going to direct this church and the church We'll look to the Holy Spirit for guidance. We will follow in his, in, in, as we are directed, and God's will will be done. How amazing is that? The very same Jesus that you read about in Colossians who created the world, who was there at the creation in the six days, that's the very same Jesus who's going to direct Crossroads Fellowship. The very same Jesus that you read on the cross in Matthew who breathed his last, who gave up his spirit, that is the same Jesus who's going to direct Crossroads Fellowship. It's not a different Jesus. It's the same Jesus. The very same Jesus that walks out of the grave in Luke, he cares and he's directed Crossroads Fellowship. The very same Jesus that you see walking in and amongst his churches in the first three chapters of Revelation, that same Jesus is walking in and amongst his churches today, in and amongst this very one, as he leads and he guides. That is the hope that we have to cling on to, is that Jesus is intimate with us and in our church. So we go back to our story. You know, the apostles, they surrendered to the Lord in the way that they knew how, and, and God blessed the work of their hands. In that moment, they love God and they love their fellow man. Now, the second way that they love God was by giving God permission, as if he really needed it, to search their hearts for selfish motives. In this act of, of submission, they vowed not to let selfish motives get in the way of the common goal, which was the preparation of what Christ was about to do with the twelve. They were gonna, he was going to give them the Holy Spirit, in which he did. And send them out. The disciples submitted to the Lord's will. His will was done. 
And you and I stand here today because of those 12. I want you to think about this. You know, Jesus surrounded himself with 12, 12 guys. And that's who the gospel was initially given to. The fact that every one of us is gathered right here, right now, in this very place, is because the gospel made it from those 12 throughout 2,000 years of history, and we're standing right here. It is a testament to what God did through them and their obedience to God that we stand here today and profess the name of Jesus Christ. Let that give us hope that the word of God is prevailing. Number two, put personal preferences aside. In the long years of church history, there's a lot of times that people could have and have put personal preferences in front of the gospel, but yet God preserves a remnant. And His Word is faithfully conveyed to us. So let's look at an example of how in the Old Testament uh, we see a group of people putting personal preferences behind the preference of God. We're going to go to Ezra. So open up to Ezra, if you will. You might have to open up to the, to the table of contents and like, which, which, uh, which page is Ezra on? It's close to Nehemiah. So Ezra gives the account of the exiles going back to their home to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Now, you know, they'd been exiles for 70 years. They had been taken from their homes. Their home, the, Israel was burned, burned up, ransacked. They were taken off. They were in exile for 70 years. And by the grace of God, they softened the king's heart, the king of Persia. And they sent the exiles. They said, you can go in peace. You go back to your own land. And you can now rebuild. Now, this was a time of celebration because the Israelites, number one, were not slaves anymore. And two, they had learned their lesson and they came out of exile ready to get things back on track for the Lord. So they started with the, the temple. They laid the foundations of the, the temple. The people were devoted to God and they threw a party. But we find this in Ezra 3, chapter 11. All right, so Ezra 3, chapter 11. Read this along with me. It says, They sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. And the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations of the, of the Lord's house had been laid. Well, we would love to just stop there, but then we have to go on to verse number 12. But many of the older priests, Levites, and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of this temple. But many others shouted joyfully. The people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouting from that of the weeping, because the people were shouting so loudly, and their sound was heard far away. I kind of have a sense here that the old-timers used the, the, the phrase, well, when I was a kid, and it took away from what the Lord was doing at that time with the Israelites, with God's people. Things were not like they used to be. And thus, it was less in their eyes. Let us draw this principle. A Christian who seeks to honor the Lord and every one of his or her actions will take part in whatever the Lord is doing at that moment. Put personal preferences aside. Let this be a warning. Now, 
what does let me let me let me speak to this just for for a second that guys in the in the in the view of crossroads um things will look different i think that's inevitable um you know i think crossroads never really gone through this process i've never really gone through this process um but you know it's kind of, it's 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 healthy and it's necessary that um you know brother jeff as he's stepping down from being the pastor he also has to leave our fellowship in terms of this church now he's still a brother in christ we're still i mean friends and i hope that you guys keep up with him and i'll keep up with him too um but you know he he won't be able to still be a part of crossroads and he does he doesn't want to he's voiced that um you know, it would be impossible for someone else to come and lead us effectively if he's still here. Um, you know, so he has voiced that, hey, when his time is finished, and this was a few few months back, hey, when his time is finished, whenever that is, um, that, that he'll, he'll have to move on, and we will too. And, uh, you know, it's not any hard feelings. I don't want anyone to, I, I'm communicating this because I don't want you guys to think that he's upset or that he's, you know, leaving because he doesn't like us anymore. Nothing of that. But it's necessary um, that, that, that he does so. And I know that uh, Brother Workman will be in here, as that was announced. He'll be here in, in, in two weeks. Now, I, I've actually not met him personally. Uh, I don't know him, but in everything that I've heard from other people, he is a great man of God, taking many interims uh, in, the, in the past few years um, here in, in this area. So... He knows what he's doing. He knows how to lead people. And so I, I, I believe that this will be um, uh, a, a uh, that this will be a time of transition, but all things will hopefully be smooth. He started New Work Fellowship, in which this body was uh, originally a part of. Um, there was a group from Katie's who would drive all the way to Hopkinsville for, for church. And so they're like, hey, why don't we just start our own church in Katie's? And that's kind of how Crossroads came up. Hopefully you'll have a chance to hear about that next week. Um, and he was the, uh, Brother Workman was the uh, founder of New Work Fellowship, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So he was in on all of that. So he, he, he had some ties to Crossroads Fellowship. Now, unbeknownst to me, his grandson sat two seats over from me in one of my classes. Uh, so I got to, we got to have him over and talk to him. Uh, and even he was, a, was talking about how his grandfather is uh, a man devoted to the Word of God. And in his great leadership skills, so um, I encourage you, church, to get behind him and, and whatever that he has for uh, Crossroads here, and however long that, that he's here, uh, but that we trust the, the Lord and whatever uh, that he wants to do. So, a third way that we can love God in this season is number three. Write this down: to love your fellow man. We love God. By loving our fellow man. So we're going to go to 1 John 4, 19 through 21. You can turn there if you want, but I'll have it on the screen there. It says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates their brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we will... And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. It is impossible 
to do one of these two things that I'm commending you to, to do. It is impossible to love God and to not love your fellow man. Now, this only makes sense, right? Men here. How many men have gone shopping with your wife? Raise your hand. You've gone, gone to the mall, gone shopping. Okay, leave your hand up if you wanted to go shopping with, with your wife and if you really enjoyed that. we got one guy, brave soul. Brave soul. You love shopping. You love spending money too and, you know. Your wallet gets, you know, a pound lighter after you leave. But guys, why did you go shopping with your wife? Is it because you love shopping? You just admitted that you, you, you didn't. No, you went shopping with your wife because you love your wife. And you show your wife love by loving the things that she loves. Wives, how many of you watch UK basketball games or sport games, sporting games? Okay, how many of you actually enjoy it? Okay, more, maybe more than, than I thought. A good, good corner. I know that Marina watches, you know, UK basketball, UK football with me. She don't care much about it, but she knows that that's what I love. She shows me love by sitting on the, the couch, watching TV, watching UK basketball with me. Did I hear something back there? Is there a Louisville fan in the room? I'm just kidding. The same principle comes here. If we are willing to show each other love by loving something that they love, but how much more should we love our brother simply because God loves them? God delights in everyone here in this very room. We are, you know, as we read in First Peter, you know, we are God's chosen, or we are uh, God's uh, ho- holy nation. Uh, we are his chosen people. I mean, there's a, there's a list of, of, of things. He loves us. He delights in us. He delights in your brother or sister. Everyone look to your left. Look to your right. God loves that person. You want to show God love? Love them next to you. That's the principle that we find here in 1 John. Crossroads Fellowship, I'm calling you today and in the weeks and months ahead of you to especially love your God in the midst of transition. There's no doubt that decisions will have to be made, but trust the Holy Spirit and and His guidings of you. There is also no doubt that things will look different to come, but this is good and this is necessary, so embrace it. And lastly, love your God by loving who He loves, and that is your brother and your sister in Christ. And man, is that not a perfect segue into looking at three ways that we can love our fellow man? Which we're going to look at here in just one second. Now for this, I would like you to open up to Romans 16. Flip forward back to the New Testament. Romans 16, the last, it's the last chapter in Romans. So in Romans 16, Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, to the Roman church, and he is giving them lots of greetings, as we're going to read in just one second. But here's what Paul does. Paul is, is one man trying to encourage and show love and appreciation to a whole congregation. A whole group of people. Now I want us to read this maybe with a different vision. Of what principles can we gather from this to then have one local congregation show love to one man. And that is Brother Jeff during this time. Let's read here Romans 16. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a servant of the Lord or of the church in Centraea. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints 
and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andrianicus and Junia, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles, and they were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampoletus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanaeus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stockies. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those who belong to the household of, of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trif- Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his brother and mine. Greet Asychronitis, Philagon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philogalus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympias, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send you greetings. The first way that we can show our fellow brother love is by remembering how they ministered to you. How they ministered to you. To you, When you read Romans 16, not only do you stumble upon these names, but you get a sense that Paul loved each and every one of them. He remembered the ways that they had served and ministered to him. I don't know if you know much about me growing up, but I found myself in the hospital very often, especially during football season. And before the doctors could even put me in a sling, Brother Jeff was there to rub my head, tell me that I was tough, and I was going to make it. Now, I have so many amazing words for Brother Jeff, and I'm going to save each and every one of them uh, until next week when he can hear them. And next week, all of us will have a chance to share these things with him. So let me just kind of give you a little idea about how we want want to put some of these things to to practice. So next week, we are having, um, Lord willing, we are having a retirement party for Brother Jeff after church. Uh, We're going to meet in here. We're going to do the Lord's Supper, what we plan on doing. Um, And then we will head on over to the church land over here, if the weather permits. If not, I guess we'll be in in here, um, to have a fellowship. Now, Miss Debbie has has put some thought into the the food, so more announcements about that in just just a little bit. Um, I ask you that you come, that you bring a lawn chair, and that you also bring words of appreciation and thanks for all that Jeff has done. I would go far as to say that this is no little event, this is no little fellowship, but rather, you know, this thing next week, assuming that you guys can make it, will be the last chance that we, as as a body, as a whole, at one time, in unity, can live out Romans 16 as a body towards Brother Jeff. Now, we should love our brother regardless 
but we should especially love our pastor. This job is not easy. And as a shepherd of a flock, when one of your own goes down, you feel the, the burden. Brother Jeff bared that burden many times. Though some have entered and some have left, Brother Jeff has fed and led about 150 people at one specific time as the shepherd of Crossroads Fellowship. And I don't even know how to count if you were to take from beginning to end. Um, it's tough work and it's worthy of double honor. I found this yesterday. I think it'd be kind of cool to, for you guys to look at. So uh, my dad got an email from um, from Mel about um, it was a picture. We were reminded we went in there to the phone book drawer, which you haven't probably gotten into since 2004 when this was written. But this is a phone directory from Crossroads Fellowship 2004. So this is after two years of the uh, the, the start. You know, it's got pictures of our first home in the luxurious Lakeland Jamboree. Uh, is where we first started out. It's just, you know, some pretty cool things. And it's also got people, you know, all of the people at that time uh, that were there. And uh, I think mom counted up. There were, I think, 11. Out of all these boxes, there are 11 that uh, are still with us. It even includes uh, Kevin Terrell as a single man. <laughs> with, yeah, yeah, there's... Kim Pryor, she's also uh, listed here, and she's single as well. Uh, you know, various people have left, and various people have entered in, and, uh, you know, that's kind of what, it, it's an exciting part of being uh, a pastor, but what makes it tough work when there's a changeover? 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and, and teaching. Paul recognizes that a shepherd of a local congregation bears. He recognizes just uh, that they are worthy of utmost appreciation and honor for all that they do. You know, if you think about it, it's by the teaching and the preaching of God's word that either one, led to your conversion, or two, your deepened knowledge of the word of God. What I, I would ask you this, Find a, find a job on earth that has more eternal consequences than being a pastor or being in the ministry in general or missionary. But you know, that's what makes it a blessing to be a part of. But it also is what brings a lot of burden and brings a lot of weight to that job too. Love your God and love your fellow man. And Brother Jeff has tended to a lot of you through uh, sickness Maybe through divorce, maybe through whatever it is. Only you know, and you know how Brother Jeff has ministered to you. And we I, I really want to just give you a tangible way to put this into practice. So each one of you on your way out today, Corbin's already, he's already ready. He's on, he's on the ball back there. Uh, but at the greeting table, he's going to have it fanned out, uh, some greeting cards. I got them off of Amazon, nothing special. But I want for each person to grab one on their way out. If you use a different card, I don't care, use a different card. But I want you to have something in your hand that you can take home, put on your refrigerator, put on your, your dining room table, to remember throughout this week to think about ways that Jeff has ministered to you, ways that he has taught the Word to you. 
ways that he has helped to, you to grow spiritually. Put some thought into that and write it down. Close it up. Lick it. Fold it up. And we'll have a basket for you next week to drop those off. And those are simply just a way to minister to him in appreciation for what he has done for us. So each of you grab one. If you use it, great. If you don't, that's fine. I want to put something tangible in your hand to remind you throughout this week uh, to do this important task. Now the second way that we can love our fellow man is by also doing what Paul does, which is reminiscing about the times that the members of the Roman church served alongside him in ministry. So write this down. Remember how they ministered alongside you. Remember how they... Uh, remembering how they ministered alongside you. So we, already talk, we just talked about how they ministered to you, but then how they ministered alongside you. Um, so you'll, you'll notice that here in Romans 16, Paul includes a word to Andrianicus and to Junia. You know, you have to know that in the Roman church, you know, they stand up and they say, we have a letter from Paul. Let me read it. And they read and then they get to all these greetings and then Andrianicus and Junia hear their own names. If you go back, they were the ones that were with Paul in prison. And how delighted they must have been to be in the presence of their fellow Christians. But they were reminded, through this letter, they were reminded of the dark days that they had spent with Paul in prison. Maybe in, the, in, in, in an adjacent cell, singing praises to God, suffering with Paul. With Paul's faith growing as their faith grew. They were reminded of those things then. Now, I saw, uh, I saw Robin here at one point. She might be back there with the, the, the kids. I know many of you have too. How many of you have flown in a tiny airplane weaving in and around the uh, mountains of Peru? Right? With Brother Jeff on most of those trips. You were also probably in a janky bus mere inches from sliding off the side of a mountain... Down into a Peruvian valley. Your faith being strengthened as his faith was being strengthened as both of you ministered and partnered in ministry. And now we can look back and see what the Lord is doing because of those things. We've got, we, not only as a church can we look to what's going on in Peru, but I'm like the International Mission Board also is wanting to know what happened with this church and how, what the what the big thing was, and how the whole region of Peru, where Edmine is, is flourishing and on fire for the gospel. Churches coming up everywhere, people coming to faith everywhere. Because, Brother Jeff, many of you, this church supported, followed the Lord's call to go down to Peru, to meet up with Edmine, to train pastors. And the Lord has worked through this congregation make that happen number one how awesome is that that the lord would choose us fallen creatures to even bring salvation to others but two what joy is it that we get to now kind of just look back and reminisce about those times that we served alongside it brother jeff bulgaria some of you were on that trip too i'm sure there are other ones that i'm missing but we have a real opportunity to look back and see how the Lord has 
how we have partnered with him and ways that we have served alongside each other in the Lord, as uh, Paul said. So we're going to seek to put this principle to practice also next Sunday. There will be a time where the microphone will be open. We'll have a couple speakers. We'll have microphone. Um, and this is a time for us to just reminisce about the times and the things that the Lord has done through us and with Brother Jeff as our pastor. Um, this is a time for you to take us down memory lane and take in all the sights and the smells of God's faithfulness along the way in your spiritual journey. So this week, put some thought into it if you, if you want to share, and I encourage you as many that want to. We'll be there as long as we have time. Make a note card if you have to. There's no shame in that. Bring a note card. Um, but really, let's just put some thought, put some love into it, and love Jeff, and remember the ministry that we have shared. Now, the third way that we can love our fellow man is by loving who God loves. Loving who Jeff loves. Sorry. And that's his God, and that's our God. So earlier we visited 1 John 4. We're going to revisit that same chapter. It says, Dear friends, 1 John 4, chapter, uh, verse number 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. That God sent His one and His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our sins, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must love one another. Dear friends, do you want to find the way that we can love Brother Jeff the, the most? And that's by loving God. The love of God is what unifies us all in the first place. That love manifested through Jesus Christ. We have the ability to love. We can love because we've seen an, a perfect example of it. And that's when God's love was manifested and magnified in His Son, Jesus. There is not a love more clear, more passionate, more vivid, and more sacrificial than the love of the Father and the love of the Son displayed on the cross. We can love our brother, and we should love our brother. Not only because he's a fellow brother, but also because we share the same God. One last note of application before we close. You know, our, our concept of church consists of a pastor who takes the stage and is one of the most visible leaders of a church. He may even be referred to as the head pastor. Using this term, that's all right. Using the term head pastor, that's fine. Just, I mean, it's just, just a title. But we must remind ourselves that there is only one true head of the church. And his name is Jesus. That's found in Ephesians 5.22. So at a time like this, when the main leadership role in a local congregation is vacated, we must remember we've not lost our head. Our head is Jesus Christ, and He is still on the throne. He is still ruling at the right hand of the Father. 
That's in Ephesians 1.20. Most of us might just refer to this office as pastor. Pastor means shepherd, who shepherds along a flock and navigating life's ebbs and flows. The same truth applies here too. When, our, when the pastor role is vacated, we have not lost our capital P, Pastor. Jesus Christ is our great shepherd, John 10, 11, and he will forever be. Our shepherd laid down his life for his sheep, and we are counted among his flock. But in saying this, we must recognize that our highest appointed human leader and our pastor will not be serving in the same capacity that he has for 17 years. This will come with its challenges, but it will also come with its blessings. At its core, we must remember that the one true head of this church is still ruling according to the Father's will, and that our great shepherd is still watching, caring, and providing for his sheep who desperately need him. Number three, if you haven't already, love your God. Crossroads, remember two things. Love your God and love your fellow man. But this love is made possible because he loved us first. On the basis of this, let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I come to you in the name of your son, our great shepherd, Jesus, asking you for something that we believe would glorify your name. And that is that you would direct those who are charged with finding the next pastor of this local congregation. You would direct them by your Holy Spirit. You would give them discernment to know your will and to move along in faithfulness. That this body as a whole would respond in faithfulness. Lord, we come to you with the faith that you will, that you will do these things. Because you promised it to us. Your word says in Psalm 23 that you are our shepherd. And we shall not be in want. Your word also makes it very clear that Jesus is the head of this church. And that takes, up a lot of, that, that takes a lot of weight off of our backs. Because you're the one directing what goes on here. Lord, you are faithful. And you will see to it that you are glorified when we lift this up to you. Secondly, Lord, we want to shower Brother Jeff with love and peace. We, we agree with you and, and your, your word that he is worthy of double honor. And uh, I ask that you would impress upon our own hearts individually how we may be able to show your love and our appreciation to him. You know, we ask these things because you're, we're compelled by your love uh, to love our brother in Christ. And in all that, that we do, we want to love our brother and we want to bring glory to yourself at the same time. Lord, we exalt you and you are on high. And one day we'll, we will be able to see you face to face. We will be able to see the throne that you sit on. We'll be able to see the staff that you guide us with. And oh, what a day that this will be. In, in Jesus' name.